Podcast on the floor. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics suffered, in the words of Drew Holiday, a good old-fashioned ass-whooping at the hands of the Los Angeles Clippers last night, losing 115-96, to and it was not that close. The Seas were down by 36 at one point, guys. It's not all bad, though. The Celtics blew the pants off the Miami Heat just a couple of days ago, and we'll get to that too. Jake Eisenberg and Wayne Spoonie are both here. Spoonie, how's it going, man? I'm doing all right, man. You know, it's the end of the weekend here on the East Coast. Back to the grind. Back to daycare, thankfully. So, (laughs) yeah, there is light. Uh, But, yeah, not a great game. Did not really enjoy watching that, although the garbage time stuff was kind of fun. But when your highlight is the garbage time when you're down 30, not great. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, Have we got the, Salty the, Jake today? Well, uh, no, I think I'm going to be a really helpful light in the darkness. Uh, okay. I don't know how there is actually darkness, but there definitely is. Uh, it. It's like because we're losing so little, the reaction to each loss is more than ever before. It's what it feels like to me. Like it definitely happened last year. Oh, losing is always bad. People always are upset with their lose. You should be. That's what sports is all about. But this year in particular, oh, my Lord, dude. Everybody's yeah. just freaking out after every single loss. But no, I'm not so I mean, maybe I'm salty towards the overreactions. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And we are Why gonna not? get to that. We are gonna get to like a, a message to the doomers. Because I, I feel the opposite, guys. Like we've we've won so many games and lost so few that when we do lose, it's like, oh whatever, like lost number yeah. eleven. Who gives a shit? Like I barely know this feeling. And that's been such a large sample size of goodness from this team that it's gonna take more than that to rock the boat for for the sane fan out there, uh, if you will. So just very quickly before we get to everything else, a bit of housekeeping, and this will uh, take a minute. So skip forward, go to the bathroom if you don't care about promotion stuff. Uh, Guys, we're so (laughs) close to 3,000 subscribers here on YouTube. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're already subbed, hit that like button or do both. It helps us put this show in front of more eyeballs. Uh, Shout out to all the audio podcast listeners as well. Please subscribe there as well if you enjoy the show. Leave a five-star rating and review. Subscriber numbers are really helpful when it comes to reaching out to potential guests, so please don't hesitate there. Also, did you know that you can watch Celtics games with us live? Sign up on the Celtics Blog's playback room, playback.tv slash Celtics Blog. The link to everything that I've already mentioned and and about to mention are all in the description below. Uh, playback is an awesome platform. It allows us all to watch the game together on a shared digital screen, Sim- similar to what we're doing right now, but instead of us purely on the screen, it's the game and our faces as well. It's a lot of fun. Meanwhile, Wayne Spoonie, he's put a new piece up on Celtics Blog, a trade primer. The trade deadline's only 10 days away, guys. So Spoonie wow. stuff, it's Hell always yeah. great. Check it out. Is there is there a little teaser? I haven't teed you up before we started recording, Spooty, but can you give us a little teaser at all about your, your trade primer? Yeah, so this really isn't written for like sickos like you two, right? Like who basically know the trade <laughs> rules, who have looked through yeah. like the who makes less than $8 million on every team and looked at all the targets. If if the trade rules are confusing to you, if you don't, you know, if you see people throwing out a bunch of names, it really just lays out, here's what the trade rules are. Here's what our asset chest is right now. Two firsts, eight seconds, um, tradable contracts. And then here's some types of names that we can go after. Dudes who make X amount of money, who aren't good, who are on the right type of team, right? Because Milwaukee ain't trading people to us, right? So it's like Mm -hmm. your Atlantas, your San Antonios, your Detroit. So it's just like a three steps like on the way to help you better understand how the trade deadline might go. And the more I look at it, the more I think we're going to make a trade. It will probably be a small one, but I think we're we're going to trade for somebody. Definitely going to do something. 
Yeah, well, check that out if you need a refresher. Like I probably do. Like I was saying, guys, I'm so wrapped up in the amazing Celtics that I've kind of shied away from the details coming up to the trade deadline. So I'll have to check that out for a bit of a refresher. And finally, before we get to the Clippers game and the Heat game, uh, we're launching the first of the floor Discord server. In fact, it's already live. We've got a couple of people who have jumped in there. Again, the link is in the description. You can scan this barcode here, which will take you to our Linktree page where you can uh, subscribe to everything we've mentioned so far, including the Discord channel. Why are we launching a Discord channel? Well, to be honest, it seems like a thing that podcasts do and we are a podcast. That's what we're doing. Yeah, but you know, we've, we've had enough people ask us to do it. So we've gone ahead and done the thing and it's a great way for you to interact with us and for us to interact with you, which we always say is our favorite part of doing this show. Uh, you can also massively contribute to the show. So our podcast run sheet is there so you can see it as we're building out the framework for each episode. You can annotate over that run sheet. You can comment and add suggestions of what you want to see included or omitted from the show. Maybe you didn't want us to talk about the Clippers game today, but no one's been in there. So we're going to do it. You can suggest a new podcast segment. You can suggest clips for our underrated plays series but for the most part it's just a place to hang out and talk some Celtics just and sort of Celtics a vibes you know Good vibes just constant therapy if you need it maybe we can argue about you know whether or not Sam Howes it could be upgraded or not you know just just normal <laughs> normal stuff that people do Absolutely. I uh, can't wait to see more people file in there. Aussie Phil, who just uh, gave us a thumbs up in the chat. He's in there already. Good to see. All right, guys. I'm sorry for the rant. Uh, on to the Clippers game and fuck. Uh, Spoonie, what happened? <laughs> why, why did we lose this game so badly? I'm glad you threw to me first because I think there's like a very obvious answer. But then if you look at the numbers, maybe not. So like I, I went through and I combed through. These are 11 wide open threes. We completely like most of these are not even close. Um, that we completely bricked. We shot 18% on 11 open threes and we shot 22% on 23 wide open threes. And I think a lot of those makes were like at the end of garbage time with uh, the, you know, where the game was like totally over. So we were just absolutely terrible. But the Clippers also shot 22% yeah. on wide open threes. So uh, we, I, I think the big thing is, yes, the shots weren't going down. Yes, we didn't have poor Zingas, but the only thing that I'm kind of concerned about is they let the lack of shot making and maybe the lack of a whistle affect their energy other than Jason Tatum, who I thought was awesome. Basically was so every good. minute he was on the court. Um, and really this game started to get away from us even in the first quarter when Tatum came out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Luke missing that tip. Was oh. just so bad. <laughs> it wasn't just the three. One of many. We, yeah, it was. Bunnies, it was. Go ahead, so Jake. many. Well, we go missed ahead. so many bunnies too. It was like the orange ball. It was orange ball didn't go in game from three, from mid range, from from the rim, nothing. And then absolutely, Jason Tatum was like, I loved his approach. He was attacking. He he did, you know, Paul George did a good job drawing a charge on him, but he just could not get a call to save his life. He attacked the rim relentlessly, got one foul call, but he was like one of the only ones where it didn't let didn't impact his overall effort. And everybody else, I thought he was actually quite mad in a way that I haven't seen him act very often at all. And it felt like it was directed at everybody. The, the rest of the players, there was a comment that he made in the post game that some people ran with as like a Joe criticism, which I think maybe you could spin it that way. I just thought he was upset with the people on the court. I thought the decision making from a lot of guys wasn't good. Just the inability to finish at the rim, it definitely impacted defensive intensity, which I'll be honest, has been maybe... Not happened at all this year. Like, has been absolutely a staple of... And it also, it's something that happens to a lot of NBA teams. Dude, they could not buy a single bucket. It's just like, how yeah. mentally strong does a team have to be before, like, 
enough misses finally breaks you. And it felt like it finally kind of broke them today. They couldn't exactly get anything. Three-point, mid-range, two-point, at the rim, easy putbacks. Every little bounce was going the wrong way. And they just like, eh, it, it just impacted them on the other end. And I do think that part of it was just they kind of got up for that Miami game. but uh, yeah. And they weren't able to kind of carry it in into this game. But, yeah. yeah. Orange Paul didn't go in. The Copium is like classic first game back from a road trip, even though it was sort of a truncated road trip, only the three games there. But they just, like we said, blew the pants off Miami, which we will get to. But then you, you come home, you've got seven games here at home, you're settling in and you just don't come out with that pop. Not to discredit the the Clippers defense because it was incredible and yeah, absolutely really like muddled up the Celtics and what they like to do offensively. It's probably the one game uh, in a while where we needed our curveball in Chris Tapp's Porzingis just to give us the adequate spacing. Add to that, Al Horford apparently dislocates his finger yeah. like a couple of players into the game and he had maybe some of the most wide open three-point attempts in this game and it was clearly bothering him. Those shots don't go down. You guys have already said it. The Clippers get out in transition. Things start to bother the Celtics on both ends and the night's over basically a quarter and a half into the game. And that's essentially what Joe Mazzulla said. I don't have any quotes uh, from Mazzulla's post game, but he, he basically echoed those sentiments that the, sh- the ball wasn't going in. The Clippers started to get out in transition. Our defense started becoming impacted <laughs> by that. Defense was so, <laughs> so bad. bad. I've never seen that yeah. before from this team. No. Like it looked, they look no. like the yeah. box or the sixes. So that's why like, I'm not worried because we have a monster sample size of what we've seen from this team. And that's not what we saw yesterday. And I don't know if you want to talk about the more broadly, whether or not we're concerned or not yet, but like this game in particular, like <laughs> you flush it. Like yeah. We, yeah. we played this team in on the other road trip. We blew them out. There was no Kawhi, but there was no Porzingis. I understand switching defenses can give us trouble. Obviously, they gave, gave us trouble yesterday, but part of it was like you have to – you just have to make shots in the NBA, and, and they weren't able – to do that. But yeah, like uh, I can see people talking about, we wish we had Tice. Tice was swatting everything. Uh, our old friend. Um, this is why he's not on the Celtics because he's getting legit like backup center playing time yeah. on the Clippers, which he, he'd be playing the Luke Cornett role on this team. So that's why he's gone to the Clippers. Maybe we, we can bring him back one day, but you, you flush this one and you get ready for New Orleans. Yeah. Yes. And I thought it was interesting. Like, the way I thought the Clippers, yeah, their switching was is trouble without Porzingis, but we can still beat a switching defense without yeah. him. But they really overload like the strong side. Like once you get it to the right or the left side, they basically like flush like four defenders on that side. That sometimes would Kate, Tatum would catch the ball on the wing, and he, they're placing like four man zoning up against them, and he's making the right play, and that's like just swing, swing, and it's an open corner three, and we got a million of them, and I'm pretty sure we made literally one corner yeah. three that entire game you know so it's like you're punishing the defense the appropriate way and you just can't capitalize man it, I, I met it was frustrating to watch i imagine it's extremely frustrating to play in too yeah i saw some clippers journalists like they clipped the game um you know not to to say that I don't know, I was going to make a Clippers pun there, but I couldn't, couldn't quite <laughs> you, tie it together in my mind. You kind of did. Basically did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, they clipped clip some possessions from the game from the Clippers' perspective. And it was like, oh, man, look at the Clippers' defense. Isn't it amazing? And like four out of the eight clips that they showed resulted in wide open looks for, from beyond the arc for the Celtics. And they just didn't make them. So, yes, credit the Clippers' defense, but half of those possessions resulted in wide open shots that the Celtics normally hit at a high rate, one of the highest in the league. You know, you, you can't fault the process for the Celtics until they just clearly got bogged down in the results. And that was it, like we've already said. And Jake, sorry, go ahead. 
I was gonna say it, it's funny because remember with the Jazz game, like the Jazz has was beating were beating everybody, Sixers, Bucks, you name it, they were winning, and then they came into Boston and we just blew them off the court. And like you go back and watch, they missed so many wide open looks, and the Celtics just like were up forty all of a sudden. It's like. If some of those looks go down in the midst of the Utah Jazz playing that well, I think that's a completely different game. Mm-hmm. And that's just sometimes what happens in a basketball game in the midst of these crazy schedules. It's just like one and a half quarters gets away from you and the other, and that's it. And there's not really any way for you to bring it back. You're like, well, we got a back-to-back coming up in two days. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Non-conference opponent as well. It's like we, we, just, we just beat the, our rivals last game. This is like the only way we're going to see the Clippers again is if we see them in June. So it's like, eh, we already smoked them once this year too. And not just the threes not going and when you miss layups, right? Oh, like God. you're down a guy in transition. And so all of a sudden they're just running back down your throat. And we missed a ton of layups and they took advantage. I mean, credit to the Clippers though. They played really, really well. Like Terrence Mann was just flying out of nowhere for yeah. offensive rebounds. So they played really well that they deserve to win that game. But yeah. that's certainly not a 30 point blowout if we shoot. You know, I, I think even just like a little bit better in the first half, we stay a little more yeah. connected. This is this comment here about Celtics are guaranteeing to choke this year, fourth year in a row. Um, they'll haul up 75 threes, make three of them, and the coach will say they were good looks with no plan B. Go back and watch all the misses. Not even the threes. Like, they missed a shitload of non-threes. Like, this was a purely, yeah, here we go. Thank you, uh, Dan Greenberg. Like, you have to put the orange ball in the basket one way or another. And they were not able to do it from any spot on the court consistently. And then what happens? If you're not making threes, teams don't start to close out harder. That's just and then and then it's impossible to attack the paint because mm-hmm. that's where they're loading up from. You ha- it's like you want to play inside out, that's fine. But if you're not knocking down any shots, then it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can yeah. you just that the defense is going to be loaded up in the middle. You're not going to be able to attack. They're going to get out and run the other way because you're f- trying to force it at the rim when they're loaded up. Not getting just, calls. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not. Oh my god, the calls. <laughs> Jason Tatum, dude. Oh my god, he was fantastic, uh, <laughs> man. Because like he had some really incredible plays. Like he took Paul George to the rim. He should have got an M one on Kawhi. Um, yeah, pretty anticlimactic way for him to reach eleven thousand points, but he had some really nice moments as well. Yeah, early he was taking both Kawhi and PG to the rim with success. And we're like, here we go. Tatum's not going to let us lose this game. Like, he's the dominant yeah. wing of all the dominant wings in this game. But unfortunately, Orange Ball did not go into the hole, which is the prevailing sentiment coming away from this one. Just for audio listeners, the Greeny tweet that we were referring to earlier basically says, both the Celtics and Clippers were both really bad on open slash wide open three-point attempts last night. Boston, 7 of 33. LA Clippers, 9 of 35. The true difference in the game was in open slash wide open two-point field goal make uh, production. Boston, three of eight. LA Clippers, 15 of 22. Three of eight from two. That, what? That doesn't seem yeah. real. On open, wide open. On open, like, wide open twos. Thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah, even so worse. That's, that's why that's it's confusing. Worse. That's Exactly. Yes. And part of why the volume for the Clippers open, wide open, two-point field goals was so high was the transition opportunities. They yeah. were just like literally just shooting fast break layups. And mm-hmm. the Celtics were not because the Clippers were putting the ball in the basket, which makes it really hard to get transition opportunities. And it just, it just snowballed. I have a bunch of cleaning the glass stats here, which factors out garbage time, which is like half the game. I'm not going to read them off because it's just yeah. a worse version of everything we've already discussed. Whatever. <laughs> Let's okay. just move on. So, um, yeah, the, the long-term concerns. I want to I I get into this because like- okay. Let's do it. 
The South, okay, can we at least all agree that the Celtics are going to lose some games? They're not going to go no. 70. No. All right. It's <laughs> heartbreaking it. every time. Damn it. <laughs> it's never not devastating. Yeah. It, I, I, look, it hurts. Hurts me just like it hurts you guys. You know, I'm, I'm butter man. But they are going to lose some games. The, the record is 73 and 9. They lost some games too. The, the KD Warriors won 67 games. We're like on pace to win 62 games. Like, mm-hmm. So we're going to lose some games. So what way is acceptable? Because everybody gets really upset when we lose close games because that's our Achilles heel apparently and that's our weakness. But, you know, we're so good that this is the third triple, third double-digit loss of the season. So it's like, okay, we don't really get blown out because we're so good. But- then we get blown out yesterday and everybody freaks out. So we can't decide whether or not we want a blowout or a close game. <laughs> so would you rather us so and now the the popular thing going around Twitter has been the Celtics recently have lost to the Thunder, the Clippers, and the Bucks. So like the Celtics have not been incredible against the best teams. So okay. That's that's okay. But so would you rather us win those games and lose like the OKC Thunder did to the Pistons by 20 points today, would that make people feel better? I don't. Th- I have a feeling that would not make people feel better if we were losing <laughs> games to the Pistons as opposed to losing games to the Clippers and the Nuggets. And so, I, what way is acceptable? So we've got I've got a few tweets here, and I shout out Celtics Twitter for really doing going oh, to war these last couple of days. Corey B, one of the um, one of these just, yeah, he just, anytime slander pops up, he goes off for like 48 straight hours. Um, so worst losses of the season for each top five Eastern Conference, Western Conference team. Celtics have lost to the Bucks by 33. The Bucks have lost to the Cavs by 40. The Sixers have lost to the Knicks by 36. The Knicks have lost to the Bucks by 24. The Cavs have lost to the Heat by 33. The Nuggets beat the Thunder by 33. T-Wolves lose to the Sun by 28. Clippers lose to the Celtics by 37. You get the point. All of the contenders have monster blowouts by really good teams. Okay, let's let, let's look at best records against teams below 500. Celtics are 15 and two against teams below 500. Very good. Best record against teams above 500. Boston Celtics, number one in the league, 20 and nine. And last one, Daniel Greenberg <laughs> again doing the Lord's work. Celtics offense versus top 10 defenses, first in the NBA by like a lot. So. They're really good. They have to lose some way. Every team loses to the be- like the best teams. I'm pretty sure the, the losses you want are we the only way to beat us is if the best teams beat us. That's mm-hmm. that's the mark of a really good team. Is the only way to beat them is like the best teams typically in close games. They're gonna lose some games. I, 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 we got to figure out which one you're gonna be able to accept. That was fucking beautiful, Jay. Yes. <laughs> Breach, dude. Breach. That, that's the clip. That's the clip. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and, uh, you know what? I want to know how many of those losses above 500 teams are without Porzingis. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen going around like, well, the Celtics aren't going to win the title without Kristaps Porzingis. No shit. Name another team that's not going to win the title. Like, that's going to win the title with one of their top three out. Like, maybe the Lakers, they're not going to win the title anyway. But, but that's yeah, because they don't have a three. player sucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, of course we need our third, maybe second best player, maybe second most important player. And then you look like uh, the difference between the Miami game 
and the Clippers game, the way that we can attack the defense that the Clippers were playing, which Miami also plays with Porzingis, is just night and day. He completely transforms the offense. Mm-hmm. And we've been the best team against the best teams. Like, I, I just don't know what people want from them other than, yeah, literally to win every game. Obviously, that we're probably going to lose games in the playoffs, too. I hope people oh, are prepared no, for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. See, we're no. not going to sweep every round. Yeah, <laughs> I'll add to that. Sometimes you just lose to the fucking Charlotte Hornets as well. Sometimes right. yeah. that just happens. The 72 10 Bulls, not to draw too much of a comparison yes, there, too, they again. lost to the like the uh, um, debut Toronto Raptors, right? Like in their first season ever, I believe. Yeah. The, the DeMont Stoudemire Toronto Raptors, they lost to that team. Sometimes it just happens sometimes you just shit the bed as in life as in basketball as in any time ever it just happens and maybe this was a combination last night of a bed shitting and coming up against a really good talented team with a really rare limited tool set in that they have the personnel on the wings to really counteract the jays what would be good to counteract that you said it chris taps porzingis he wasn't around for this one i'm sorry about that we lost the game also First game home from a, a long road trip, a long-ish road trip. I already said it was a short road trip, so I'm not going to lie. That's a, that's a documented <laughs> phenomenon, right? That you do yeah. often lose those games more so than, than not. So, I will also add that um, the Celtics have they're tied for the first best road record along with the OKC Thunder in all of the league. They win on the road. Obviously, they've got the first uh, home record as well. There's plenty good going on for the Celtics. And to get online and to whinge and moan about you know, the flaws of this team and how they're doomed to choke again. First of all, I would say just enjoy it. Like this is the best team since 2008, the beginning of 2009, right? Enjoy that. It's a thing that not everyone gets like in a lifetime. If you look at other fan bases, we've got it right now. They're so good. They've lost fuck all games. It's super enjoyable. They're going to shit the bed every now and then. It's fine. And then, (laughs) you know, look at the personnel that we've got going into the playoffs. Look at the job we've done, touch wood, preserving them thus far and managing load and minutes. We've done a really good job there. This team has its sights set on the playoffs. So who gives a fuck if they lose a couple of regular season games? It's crazy. I will add to that though, guys. Is there an issue with people like Greeny, who is a dear friend of the show and we love very much, like platforming these doomers on Twitter? Because really they only get mass exposure when they get quote tweeted and then the argument gets thrown back in their face. Is there an issue there? Uh, I do want to say like, it's good to be upset. Like, you, everyone could be sad that your team lost and like, ah, dang, shoot. Not again. We lost. Like, that sucks. <laughs> I would have loved to have beaten uh, the Clippers. Like, like, you know, it would honestly have been nice to like step up and beat one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Absolutely. Like, we're not trying to, you know, police the way that everybody's feeling. Good point. But like, you to go all the way off the deep end and- and be like, there's no chance this team can ever do anything. Like, well, then what? Then don't watch it. Then what's what is what's even the point? Yeah. Like, if if that's if that's where we're gonna go, and it's never in the context of of all these of all these other teams. So, yeah, like obviously be upset and and you know be upset your team loses, but then get 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 back on the horse. How do you want your your Celtics to respond? You want them to be like, oh, we're not gonna we're gonna choke again. Great accent. Let's not try and get better because that's what they've been doing has been responding to down moments. Like they've only lost two games in a row once, I think, this season. And, uh, you yeah, know, let's, let's see them respond against a pretty good Pelicans team. 
Yeah, and can I just say, like, KP, obviously important. I think he's specifically important against a team like the Clippers because guess what? They're 10-3 and three without him this year. So they're, they're still one of the best teams in the NBA, even without Porzingis. So, like, that's how talented they are. That's how good they are. And guess what? They're going to lose games. It happens. It sucks. Yeah, yeah, get sad, get upset, but it's not a referendum on their title odds when they lose a game in January. It's just not. And I think maybe there's people being like, oh, these these guys, bloody first of the floors, always so positive, optimistic, et cetera. Like, we, if, if things like continue to slide and like we objectively think the team is like not going to reach their potential or whatever, but like, I think we can, we can comfortably say for like 10 days plus or so now, like they haven't been playing as best, their best basketball sure. relative to the rest of the season. Like, you know, they, the Raptors game was close. The Spurs game ended up as a blowout, but- you know, that was closer than it should have been where we're, we want uh, Walshy time and that and that takes us a while to get there. The Jays didn't play great against the Nuggets. Like, they're not playing as well as they have throughout the most of the season. They're definitely on a bit of a down swing at the moment. Part of that's like Derek White's kind of come back, come back down to earth. Um, J- like, Jalen and Jason have, been t- have particularly been fantastic lately. That Rockets game where Jalen and Jason looked like they went out till five in the morning um, and Papuzinga <laughs> yeah. sa- saves the day. Oh, but then they bounce back against the Mavericks. Right now, they're not playing consistently at their peak right now. And that's, that's fair. I'm, I'm totally comfortable to say that. But like, I absolutely subscribe to an 82-game regular season. There's going to be ebbs and flows. We're coming to the All Star break. We've been, we've been, we've been playing badly. And what are we like? Seven and three in our last ten. Like, mm-hmm. you just got to keep yep. grinding these things out. Seven and three in our last ten. We have a three game lead on the one seed. Like, it's not going to be perfect, but keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding. We'll get there. Before we get to our FanDuel ad read, just to flip the table here. The game against Miami was joyous, yes. to say the least. How how can that game go yeah. so far in that direction, Spoonie, compared to the Clippers game, which we've talked about going so far in the other direction? Yeah, I, I think the lack of Porzingis, especially against similar defensive teams. And then, like, dude, we shot like 55% from three against Miami. It and so did Miami, nice. too. Yeah, that was what was yeah. nuts, is that they yeah. kept yeah. it close because they were... Oh. <laughs> Yeah, but I, but ultimately Miami just doesn't have the firepower. They didn't generate nearly as many threes. Like a lot of their buckets when they were keeping it close were these like really difficult mid-range twos. The difference is that like Kawhi hit a bunch of those too because he's Kawhi fucking Leonard and he that's like his shot, man. That's why he's won two finals MVPs. That's why he, other than injuries, would probably be one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. And Bam and Jimmy are very good, but they're obviously not on that level. So I think that's a part of it. And then- you know, you just see some of the weaknesses show um, without KP on the offensive end. Uh, and, you know, again, like it's the shooting, the shooting, the shooting. I hate to beat a dead horse, but uh, sorry. But, dude, but, we, but, but, but like we <laughs> giddy up. Um, yeah. But like the, the we got whatever we wanted against the heat. And like, obviously, there's going to be that shooting disparity. But man, these Eastern Conference matchups are so much more important. I've said it before. We're going to play, if we play any of these Western Conference teams in the playoffs, it's going to be one team. And if we make the finals, that means we would have figured some stuff out and played pretty damn well to make it to the finals. So I'm going to be feeling pretty good by the time we get there with my team built of like 25 to 30 year olds. Like the Clippers, congratulations on having a good six 
eight-week stretch for the first time in the history of the Kawhi and Paul George era. Like, <laughs> like there's, a, there's a long, long way to go, right? Like, yeah. part of why Tatum and Jalen are always there is because they're able to play, get themselves into a top three seed and play playoffs, playoff series after playoff series. Kawhi made it through two playoff games last year. That's it. Yeah. Uh, once his minutes load went up. This Heat game... So much more important. I know the Heat were on a back-to-back um, against the Grizzlies, who, by the way, Heat have lost six in a row here. And, yeah. like, they make this Terry Rozier trade. And, we're, we're, look, we're all f- terrified and scarred, as we, as we should be. Any sane person should be scarred from what the Miami Heat have done yes. to us. In, we've gone to some dark places. But, man, <laughs> Tatum and Jalen a year older. New version of Derek White. Porzingis, though. And you saw it in this in this game, like he is he can't they can't handle him, dude. Like he can shoot over every single person on that team. The whole secret to the to the heat was like switching Bam onto the Jays. You switch Bam onto the Jays, all of a sudden pausing us their next best defender, Jimmy Butler. Great defender. Six foot six versus seven foot three. He he just turned and shot right over him multiple times. Like they're too small. A backcourt of Hero and Terry Rozier. Then Haywood Highsmith at the three, Jimmy at the four. Like Jimmy at the four last year is cool. That was before Jason Tatum added another 12 pounds of muscle. Like um, <laughs> KP, I thought as well, once he acclimatizes to Jimmy Butler's pump fakes, like the Celtics are so disciplined now dealing with the Jimmy Butler pump fakes that once you stay down on those, he basically has to hit all mid ranges. Keeping him off the line is just, that's the only thing that matters. And KP will get that once you get to the playoffs. But dude, KP in that matchup, like, I feel so much. I actually kind of want the heat now. I think mm. we got him. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if I can ever take myself there, but I, I like the confidence. And the one thing I wanted to call out was just the recognition of the heat's zone in this game. It, it felt like they were recognizing that zone formation, like in transition on their way up the court, which is just such a, fi- a far cry, rather, uh, from last year. And then obviously the added personnel with dealing with that zone. But even when KP had gone out with his ankle sprain, there was some high low with Al and Cornette to, to deal with the zone. We're seeing guys um, slash across the zone and get the ball at the nail in the perfect position and then the perfect off-ball movement to counteract that defense. So it just feels like they're well-studied. They're well-versed in the Spolstra heat defenses and they had a counter for everything they threw at them, um, which is just such a relief after years of, of struggling yeah. with it. Now, we're going to come back in a moment and do our Eastern Conference check-in, but first, a quick mm. word from our sponsor. Next. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. 
Guys, I had a look at FanDuel before we started recording to see if I could find anything on the Pels game tomorrow. Unfortunately, it's not up yet. I guess because like mm. some injury reports aren't uh, solidified yet. But I would take, and this is speculative, obviously, as are all bets, the Celtics <laughs> money line plus Jalen Brown points over, whatever that's Ooh. set at. Jalen Brown had a terrible game, shooting-wise, and in other facets as well. He's not going to have back-to-back terrible games, I hazard a guess. Um, and the Celtics are not going to lose back-to-back games as they haven't all year. So I'm confident in the Celtics winning this one. I'm confident in a bounce-back game from Jalen Brown. Thoughts, Jake, Spoonie? Yeah, I love it. Love it. Um, something that's been working for me has been Tatum, if you were doing a same-game parlay, Tatum two-plus made threes. He just... Like he takes eight a game. Like even every anytime he goes under eight attempts is like kind of an outlier. Um, I went back and looked at like all of his three point make games. There's like a few zero and one games, but for the most part, he always at least makes two. So yeah, Celtics money line, Tatum to make two plus threes. Maybe you do an alternate Jalen points. Like I'm guessing the lines are like 24 ish. Get that down to like 19 and a half. Lock it up, dude. And I'm pretty Lock sure it up. could be wrong, but I think that they're doing like three leg. Same game parlays, and if one leg fails, you get bonus bet back. I'm not a scientist, but <laughs> I think that's that's good. Not that's a, a good process. It's good process because you get the bonus bet back on like only three legs. The odds, like you get to like plus whatever, plus 100 or whatever. Um, that's a that's a good process. So I, I, what's been providing some value for me lately. Mm. Nice. Yeah, and I bet you Herb will, Herb Jones will probably be on Tatum, and I yeah. think Ingram's playing. I have a ch- I probably should have checked before this podcast, but and the Jays have historically diced up Ingram as most people yeah. do. Yeah, too he's, small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just so slow on the perimeter. So I love that, and yeah, with Valanchunas, he's going to get open mid range jump shots yeah. all game long. Love now, it. look, we're at the halfway point of the season-ish, and there's been a lot of shifting in the teams and the standings below us with a bunch of trades occurring prior to the trade deadline. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, the, the impetus for this segment, Eastern Conference check-in, is the Knicks are looking a little terrifying. Mm. Right, guys? Six and one in their last <laughs> seven. They've got the... Oh, where did I have it? In the, in the last two weeks, I just had this up in front of me. Last two weeks, they've got the eighth best offense, the second best defense, and the second best Point differential per cleaning the glass. OG Ananobi is killing it. Um, Brunson is doing his thing as always. And it just looks like that team is really starting to gel personnel-wise under Tom Thibodeau. Uh, I'm not sure when we face them next, but have they emerged as sort of like the second scariest team aside from the Celtics in the East? Oh, <laughs> yeah, go on, Spoonie. Um, yeah, recency um, bias obviously plays a factor here, but come on. Yeah. Okay, so... The Knicks are kind of like my second team for some reason. I love their announcement announcing crew. Yeah, brain, I, they yeah. have, yeah, they have Deuce McBride, WVU guy who mm-hmm. has now getting a bunch of minutes now that Quickly's out there and playing pretty damn well. He too. was good yesterday against the Heat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's been playing really well since IQ left. Yeah, I think they're like thirteen and three or twelve and three since the OG trade. So mm-hmm. they look really good. I also saw a tweet maybe four, five, six days ago that uh, opponents are shooting like twenty nine percent on open threes against them since they got OG. So I think some of this is a little bit of shooting luck uh, for their defense, but. Um, so that'll come up, but yeah, you know, the schedule has been kind of soft, but they're a really good team. They're really interesting. The thing I don't, that doesn't scare me is I have said it since I've been on this podcast. I know what you're going to say. Julius Randle does not terrify me in the playoffs at all, man. He is a playoff, like 
He's a guy whose game downgrades in the playoffs, like those crazy step back threes that he can just like fire away in the regular season, just stop going down. He's really out of control at times. He's really bad at handling doubles and pressure. Um, He's turnover prone like crazy. And they really rely. I mean, he is their number two option. He has a massive usage rate. They need him to win games. And I just don't I just don't believe him in, in him in the playoffs. And we have great personnel to guard Brunson. But the Knicks are really good. They're up there, man. I think they're closer to Philly than they are. Uh, well, the Cavs been playing really well, too. So yeah. there's some good teams in the East now. Dude, mm-hmm. there's no the, the playoffs are going to be tough. Like, yeah. The eight seed is the magic. Like, unless we get lucky and someone like the Bulls or the Hawks, like, wins the play-in and sneaks into the eight seed, it's going to be a hard first-round series relative to some years previous. That That's just the, that's just the reality. But, you know, we're a good enough team where I'm still not going to be too concerned about, like, a Magic or a Pacers um, series. But the Knicks in particular, I was getting to a point where I was getting a bit scared about the Knicks too, but I hadn't actually really sat down to watch them um, in my, amidst this stretch that much lately. So I sat down, locked into this Heat-Knicks game yesterday, and Spoonie, that was my first takeaway, was the same. Julius Randle, dude. Like, you just can't – and he, he did it last playoffs as well. He is a black hole, and he just does not have that self-awareness to realize that it's going badly. Like, when he's bad, it can be so destructive. And, like, yesterday they were able to win, like, the game by a lot, but like yesterday in a game that they played well in six for 14, four turnovers, like when a defense is locked in, it's similar to Embiid in that like when defense is really key on key in on him, his weaknesses are kind of really easy to exploit. The turnover stuff, he doesn't pass. He's just not a great passer. And so like when he goes into like, I'm really pissed off mode, tries to back guys down, ball in a China shop, he's really kind of easy to, to upset I feel like it's he, yeah, he's a guy that has terrible mistake recovery, an underrated skill, something that Jason yeah. Tatum does not have. He mm-hmm. uh, he's incredible at mistake recovery. He has completely forgotten whether or not he made or missed the last shot or whatever. Like he's just locked in possession to possession. Whereas Randall can like really let things spiral from not only within a game, but from game to game in the playoffs. Like as far as a Celtics matchup goes, I think it would be tough. And the, the Knicks have t- historically played the Celtics. Pretty tough. Ironically, the two guys that really cook us were have been RJ Barrett and, and quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and they're gone. So like Brunson, you know, we obviously kind of match up pretty well with him just with our size on in the guard and the wing positions. And then even OG like hasn't been a guy that's really given us trouble when we've played the the Raptors recently. So I think the Knicks could give some other teams some serious trouble. Like I think that the, the Knicks could easily beat any of the Bucks uh sixes. Or yeah, basically those two. I think that the second round with with a Knicks team playing like this with this kind of defense could really give maybe not the sixes. I don't I think this I'm kind of at the point with where I'm at the sixes are at number two, just because of the yeah. way that Embiid's playing. But I think that I think the Bucks, just because of their defense, which would potentially really struggle with the Knicks. Great year to be the first seed going into the playoffs. Yes. Obviously a long way to go, but there's this real sense that like these guys are going to beat the shit out of each other in those earlier rounds of the playoffs before one of us, uh, one of them gets to us rather in the second or, or third round, uh, which is very exciting. Other two teams, there's only two other Eastern Conference teams to be over 500 in the past two weeks. One of those is the Cavs. They've been five and one. The other is Milwaukee. They've been five and two. Of those two teams... I feel like we should talk about the Bucs, right? Who have undergone a pretty significant <laughs> coaching change. Jake, what are your yeah. thoughts on, on Doc Rivers to the Bucs? On one hand, man, we did everything we could to try and keep Adrian Griffin there. 
we we walked in and we <laughs> lost by a million points to the Bucks, and even that didn't save Adrian Griffin's job because that I think that was bad. It was it's very yeah. clear how much they hated him because they are playing like completely inspired relative to the way they were playing, especially on defense before Adrian Griffin left. So that's kind of a bummer. But then they turn around and hire Doc Rivers, and it's like. If you want, if you want a real eloquent soliloquy on Doc Rivers and what he means to the Bucks, go and listen to the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. It's like that meme, um, you know, the the two super strong guys doing a handshake, and it's like <laughs> Celtics fans, Sixers fans, yes. zero belief in Doc Rivers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's <laughs> like I was thinking about it. I think I, I think I would want like who would I be happier for or less upset if they were to actually make the finals between the Bucks and the Sixers. Put my mind in a freaking pretzel. I can't lie. Um, <laughs> couldn't really couldn't really figure that figure that one out. But Doc is just not a good playoff coach. And they did such a good job of outlining like Doc's a freaking wizard, dude. Like, oh, Doc's gonna raise the floor of this team. He always has good relationships with star players. All of his rosters always make it, you know, good regular seasons and they they at least get to the second round or a conference finals and they do blow some Blow some leads in the playoffs, but they raise the floor. Sure. Or does he selectively only choose rosters that are incredible? So it's like yeah. anyone could be taking these rosters to 50 plus wins and to the second seeds and to the second round of the playoffs because it's like he only play has rosters with top 75 players. The Celtics roster in 08, like the fact that really he only got one title is kind of like not even meeting expectations with that team, right? They should have gotten probably one more. Obviously, the KG injury. The the Lob City Clippers is one of the most disappointing eras of basketball ever. The Kawhi and Paul George era, massive disappointment, obviously injury-wise. Sixers fans hated Doc Rivers, and he, he um, met the exact same standards as Brett Brown did. So it's like, okay, now he takes a little break, and all of a sudden he's got Damon Giannis. It's like, man, this guy, he's he knows what he's doing. Well, yeah. it, what doesn't make sense to me is like their floor is obviously really high. That's not the problem. Like they're 30 and 13 or yeah. something like that. Like they were winning games. The floor is very high. Their problem is they need somebody who's a tactician at the highest level because they have such a bizarre roster where they start essentially two bigs and then no good wing defenders. So like you, I would have gone and got Kenny Kenny Atkin, er, yeah, Atkinson from Golden yeah. State or something like that. Somebody who's like really a technical basketball mind like Doc. Great. Seems like a great guy. I really enjoyed him on Simmons podcast. I'm disappointed that he's got a job, so he's not going to be on there anymore. Um, But yeah, I I just like how many times does Doc have to get out? Joe Missoula outcoached the shit out of him in that Sixers series last year. Uh, I mean, it's but for James Harden having two absurd shooting games that that didn't go in five, essentially. So. Um, I, I just it I just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. It's like these dudes are already going to win a ton of regular season games. Like, why do you care about that at all? I guess my concern is with Adrian Griffin, it couldn't have gotten any worse than it already was, True. right? <laughs> and now they bring in Doc Rivers and you have to presume just from his experience alone, it has to be somewhat better. It has to be somewhat of an improvement. And my concern is, like you said, their floor is already extremely high. Almost anyone could go in there from a coaching perspective and be like, just give Giannis the ball, everyone clear out, get the fuck out of the way. And that's a good offense. So, like, to what extent should we be worried from a slight uptick in production, Jake, from the Bucks, given this coaching yeah. change? Well, that's what I mean. So, like, it would have been better if Adrian Griffin had stayed and they would have been mm-hmm. like, we're going to give him a full season. So, like, I have to, like, you got to give credit for the Bucks for pulling the pin because sure. it's pretty funny. Like, everyone outside of Bucks land was like, 
there's so many obvious issues with everything that's going on with the Bucks. Like they're a complete house of cards. The net rating doesn't match the record. The point differential doesn't match the record. They've like stolen five to seven games with these like like the Kings missing four free throws uh, at the end of a game. Like a, like a bunch of that stuff. Happened. Plus also the 30th easiest strength of schedule. Like that was all contributing. And it's just funny because Bucks front office clearly agree with all the people that were not Bucks fans because they're like, yeah, this is – this is not going to work, and so you're absolutely right, Ben. This is an improvement, but what what I, what makes me happy is that they didn't go out and get a Kenny Atkinson or someone like that, where you would have been like, that guy is like a legit coach mm-hmm. or a, sure. a tactician, as opposed to a personalities guy. It's like great that that's that's a as you said, that's a floor place, Booney, as opposed to like the biggest issues with the reason they fired Bud. Like they. Bud was a floor raiser. He was a good coach. Like yeah. He got them, yeah. yeah, like he got them to the it's one the same seat problem. <laughs> pretty much every year that he was there. What they needed is like an actual tactician who can make adjustments in the playoffs, which is something that Doc doesn't do. So, yes, this is technically an improvement. So at first it's like, damn it. But then it's like, then they they and also they signed him to a three-year deal. This is Damian Lillard's prime now is capped by Doc Rivers' ceiling, unless they want to pay three coaches because they're now paying Bud, Griffin, and Doc. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So that'd be four coaches yes. if they get a new <laughs> that's one. Insane, yeah. dude. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, interesting. Good luck to him, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a- anyone else you want to touch on? Like I, I, t- I talked about somewhat erroneously uh, a number of teams being over 500 in the East. Uh, we're joking about it in the chat here. A-, a note for the podcast listeners that Philly are also above 500 in the past yeah. two weeks, but we don't recognize that here of as uh, Celtics fans. Uh, um, anyone else yeah. um, tickling your fancy Spoonie in the Eastern Conference uh, from the Celtics I- perspective? The, uh, the Cavs have been playing really well. They've actually started to play really well once Mobley went out. So it seems like they kind of figured something out, but also didn't because he's going to yeah. come back and then what yeah. the hell is going to happen? So I'm not real worried about the Cavs. And then other than that, I mean, we've obviously talked a lot about the Heat. The Magic, I think, have kind of shown their ceiling and are kind of drifting back towards like, hey, a nice above average team. They don't really scare me in the play. They definitely don't scare me in the playoffs. They're just too young, too inexperienced, not enough shooting, but they could make a move. They yeah, got a lot that would of be assets. Mm-hmm. And that's the one team I got my eye on in the trade deadline. Like they could cash in some stuff. They got tons of tradable contracts too. So they could get scary real quick. That's why the Celtics, I think, are pretty guaranteed to make some type of move is because Philly's going to do Philly's going to try and do something pretty significant. That would shock me if they don't. The Bucks can't, really. The Knicks still have plenty of chips. The Pacers already made a move for Siakam. They could probably make another move if they wanted to as well. And the Magic absolutely have ammo to do it as well. The good news is they can't all get significantly better because there aren't that many significant players available. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Um, but I, Sixers have definitely easily moved into the team that I – I'm the most afraid of. I understand we're scared. We, we own them or whatever. To me, that they're like the second best team because I I'm guarantee I guarantee they make a like a good move. Yeah, and you talked about tacticians earlier. Nick Nurse is a Nurse. fantastically good coach, and yeah. Joel Embiid, unsurprisingly, and somewhat as a result of that coaching change, has looked amazing. He is injured at the moment, I believe. He's got some knee soreness, which is as much as we love the Schadenfreude report on the show, we never celebrate uh, opponent uh, injuries. And we should have mentioned as well uh, with Julius Randle, he dislocated his shoulder oh, as well, yeah, so he's probably going to be out for a while too, which looked absolutely nasty. Um, so best of luck to those guys. 
But yeah, look, suffice to say, playoffs are going to be interesting. Trades are going to be made. And we are going to have a trade deadline show, which we, uh, as we are live here on the internet, are just now talking about for the first time. But I assume we're going to do it, right? It's going to be really, really spicy. Um, So look out to our channel uh, for that and make sure you subscribe. Guys, let's finish up on the upcoming schedule. New Orleans Pelicans tomorrow in Boston, the second of this seven-game homestand. The Pels, they've got the 14th ranked offense, the 10th ranked defense. In the last two weeks, though, that defense has been ranked... 28th, which is not great, and they're two of six in their last six games, but with losses to the Thunder, the Bucks, the Suns, Mavs. So good teams, uh, but they're sort of one of these middling teams, wouldn't you say, Jake? Yeah, they're, they're a team where, like, you see that they're playing the Bucks, and you're like, oh, if they have a good game, they might have a shot at actually taking down the Bucks, but they just. Zion's just not the same guy. I, I like our ability to. I guess, yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of the Clippers. It's like, okay, you're going to start CJ, Ingram, and Zion. None of those guys can guard the Jays. And Herb Jones is a great wing defender. I, I love Trey Murphy. He might be like right at the top of my list of like role players that I would want on the, on the Celtics. Too small. Just too small to deal with the power of the Jays and the size that they have, especially like Drew Holiday as well. But, you know, offensively, they they got firepower. Like this, this uh, rookie dude, oh my, his name's uh, escaping me right now. Um, but oh, he's Andre, been- just, um, Hawkins. Right. Yeah, dude, he's been just insane shooting from three. Like Trey Murphy can like they they have the firepower to like to pop off. CJ McCollum, like definition of professional scorer. No injuries on the Pelicans report. Thank you, Mitch, in the chat here. They'll be ready to play. They'll be, they'll be as you said, Ben. They've been struggling. They'll be looking to like try and get a win. And as we know, everybody gets up for the Celtics. So um, you know, Ingram Zion. That that was a. A discussion, Ingram, Zion versus Tatum and Jalen. And so, like, there, there'll be some juice to this game. And what we saw after the Celtics lost to the Bucks, big time, they came out and had a really big performance. So we want to see them do the same tomorrow. Yeah, I'm surprised their offense is ranked so low because when you look at the roster, there's, like, a version of this team that could make a ton of sense if Zion mm-hmm. was, like, two years ago Zion and not this kind of, like, 85 90% of what he was where they just, like, surround him with a ton of shooting um, and like Valis Tunis is just anchoring the back line. But I, I think, yeah, we can get anything we want. Just put Valentunas in a pick and roll. He's going to have to play super deep drop like and that nobody can stay in front of the Jays other than Herb Jones. But Joe's done a really good job like getting elite defenders off of the Jays or just having one Jay camp in the corner and space it out and attacking four on four. So I'm pretty confident about this one, especially coming off a loss. It just feels like they'll be really hungry. They'll play really hard and it's just a lot better. Well, maybe hinging on the personnel available for the Celtics tomorrow. Here's the injury report up on screen. A problem with the big man here. Al Horford left neck sprain. No mention of the finger. He's questionable. Luke Cornett left hamstring tightness. This is a problem that plagues me on a daily basis. He's doubtful. (laughs) And the zinger, Chris Tapps Porzingis, left ankle sprain. He's questionable also. We'll talk about the paces, I guess, as a means of answering this question, guys. Spoonie, who would you rather have KP slash Al for, if this question makes sense? Would you rather have KP for the Pelicans or the Pacers? So I think I'd rather have KP for the Pelicans because he okay. can stretch Valanchunas out and um, they want to get downhill. They want to attack the rim. So having his rib protection there is great. And then I, I, the Pacers are one team that can kind of exploit the way we play defense with KP because they have so much shooting. They play so damn fast. So I think I'd rather have Al for the Pacers and KP for the Pels just because very specific matchup wise. 
yes, that's all sound reasoning and Turner's been doing a good job. Like KP struggles a little bit with the stretch bigs and kind of all big struggle with stretch bigs. That's kind of the cheat yeah. code in, in basketball and in the NBA. But I want to win the Pacers game more, so I want okay. KP for that game. So as, as much as like they can kind of make things difficult, KP is more helpful for pretty much any matchup because he's just ridiculous and the best layer. So I, I would I would I would vote the Pacers game because like they, I'm excited to see like Siakam and and Halliburton. It's it's kind it's not a big game, but it's it's a game that I think has some narrative juice to it. Frustrating again that one of these games has a little has a back to back element to it. But um, I would almost rest both of them if uh, if uh, Al's if neck. And, I'd be surprised if KP plays tomorrow. I think they give him one more day. Same, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, just it's a back-to-back. He's got to play one of the games. You may as well give him one more day's rest. As much as, like, I'm a simple man, I would like to win tomorrow <laughs> because we lost yesterday. So, for that yeah, reason, give me KP tomorrow. But, obviously, it's much, much more complicated than that. Hence why any NBA job is well above my pay grade and psych- psychological <laughs> capabilities. Uh, the Pacers, three and five in their past eight games. First look uh, at the... Or since the Siakam trade, rather. But, you know, they've sort of been floundering, like I just said, three and five in the past eight. It's not like they've been great easy dominant since acquiring Siakam. Halliburton, he's obviously been injured. He's out he's today against up, yeah. the Grizz with, quote, injury management. Um, yeah. So, unsure. It's unclear if he's going to be playing against the Celtics at this stage. I would have to oh, imagine he'll play that against he's in any way capable. Yeah, he loves to get up for the Celtics. Everybody, like, that's what I'm saying, dude. They're like, you know what? Let's just rest you for this and play against the Celtics. Enough. Let us live our lives, dude. Jesus. Right. <laughs> So, Jake, uh, potentially big Namias Cater day tomorrow. Oh, are, you, are you ready for that? Are you prepared? Um, <laughs> can we just put Tatum at center, dude? Uh, can we put Lamar well, Lamar. at center? Yeah. Please. Hell yeah. Anyone. It's finally time. Jordan- Walshie? Walshie at center. Uh, I don't know, but maybe like it, it, it almost, maybe Cater can step up. I'm going to believe in it, even though. Very just, confident sounding, I, Jake. I, I don't, <laughs> yes. I don't want to. He was, he was not good in garbage time either. It was just. <laughs> Anyway, can you cater to our deepest desires? We'll uh, we'll see. Tune in tomorrow to find out on the Celtics blog playback room, right, Jake? You guys going live yep. tomorrow? We'll be live for the playback room as well. You know, it was a blowout when we were discussing um, whether or not Bones Highland could win an MVP in any era of, of NBA basketball. Um, <laughs> we think we needed to go back to the forties, I think, for him to actually to win one. But uh, it was it was some great chat, and uh, we'll, we'll be hopefully. Uh, highest spirits and if it's a blowout it's in favor of the Celtics but yeah Celtics uh, playback.tv slash Celtics blog join the room get in there if you don't have league pass don't worry we can give you a VIP pass give you access to everything and uh, off to the races absolutely all right that's gonna do it for this one thank you so much for joining us please subscribe to the podcast youtube channel like the stream and join our new discord server which is live as of today we'll be back a little later in the week spoonie jake love your work guys until next time go selfie